T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. WGR. Here's the American dream. Dusty Rhodes and Dusty, your fans welcome you back, man. Sports Radio 550. I don't have to say a lot more about the way I feel about Sports Talk Saturday. No respect. No honor. There is no honor among these in the first place. He put hard times on Dusty Rhodes and his family. You don't know what hard times are, Daddy. Hard times are when the textile workers around this country are out of work. They got four or five kids and can't pay their wages, can't buy their food. Hard times are when the auto workers are out of work and they tell them go home. And hard times are when a man has worked at a job 30 years. 30 years. They give him a watch, kick him in the butt and say, hey, a computer took your place, daddy. That's hard time. Want to talk to the guys on Sports Talk Saturday? Call or text us now. You put hard times on this country by taking Dusty Rhodes out. That's hard time. Sports Talk Saturday on WGR. Make no mistake. Happy Saturday, folks. Welcome back to Sports Talk Saturday. Nick Erie here. It's been a couple of weeks i've had some things going on i've places to see that's it welcome back that's it don't really have any other explanation other than that thank you to brayton wilson for filling in for me the last couple of weeks you're allowed to take some time i i would agree with that according to most labor laws i would agree with that uh you would appreciate this so part of the reason that uh i have uh been unable to to be here uh over the last couple of weeks one of the reasons um is our uh, almost one-year-old kitten still a kitten? At before one, I think she's just very small. Sure, she's like kind of the the runt of her litter. So she's she's very small compared to our other cat. Okay, she's like half the size. Sure. Um, so she gets dubbed kitten. She'll probably be kitten for the rest of her life. Um, this would have been last two Sundays ago, uh, middle of the night. Our other cat, who is. The persistence on him is next level. High motor. He, if he wants something, he identifies it, and he will not stop until he gets that something. So every once in a while, we have to kick him out of the room because he's just – he tries to wake us up. It'll be 4.15. He's like, hey, go out there and give me my food, damn it. He will definitely get into fight at training camp. Yes. That kind of cat. Yeah, correct. Okay. Absolutely. With the helmet on, punching yep. through the face mask, because that's that's the kind of thing that he would do. Um, he was being very annoying, very annoying, clawing at the door. So we finally went to go get him, and he ran underneath the couch. 
Uh, and as I, you know, as my girlfriend was going to grab him under the couch, a table had fallen, uh, and we didn't know that the other cat was either on the bottom part of the table or had just got caught up in the table as it fell, but it fell on her hind leg and we didn't know she ran. I was in bed still cause it's four fifteen. Uh, she was under the bed all night with a broken damn leg and didn't as much as meow or acknowledge to anyone like, Hey, my thing's on sideways here, because um, <laughs> she's just That's the medical term for it. That is the medical term. So she shows, just shows up on the the little sheet. Uh, that's that the what shows up, have. and uh, when she's listed under IR, it's uh, the thing was bent. Um, <laughs> that's what Lindy would say at the that's press conference. That's exactly what Lindy would say. So bent thing. Um, we wake up in the morning, and as you might uh, imagine, I'm on my way. This is Sunday, so this is Monday of Labor Day. Uh, I'm on my way. It's 8 a.m. I'm going to golf. And I'm about to leave, and hysteria breaks out. My girlfriend realizes the cat is oh, very clearly yeah. hurt. Oh, that ain't right. Yeah. Uh, very clearly hurt. And so then it became us saying, okay, we will just simply try to find an emergency veterinary hospital, which will be easy to do on Labor Day. Uh, it wasn't, by the way. So we found <laughs> a we found a place here locally that uh, that got us in. Unfortunately, uh, just that trip alone cost fifteen hundred dollars, uh, and that doesn't count the additional what they wanted to keep her overnight and all the other stuff. So they said, "Got to have surgery. Got to get a plate put in. Whole nine yards." They quoted us the surgery at around four thousand dollars. I was like, "Well, now we're four thousand plus go. fifteen plus Let's, all this. We can get those medical costs higher. This is the United States." I baby. was like, "Okay, well, we're we're gonna do some due diligence. We're gonna take her home. We're gonna call around, shop this around. Got a couple other quotes: five thousand, seven thousand, ten thousand. Took here. a look on Carmax. They're correct. Uh, look looked at uh, Rocket Mortgage to yep. see if maybe we <laughs> right. could we could get a reverse mortgage out on uh, on our cat. Um, and then we were fortunately. Uh, uh, and, and the moral of this story and the reason I'm telling it to folks is because Twitter rarely is a good place uh, for anything. Why? But Why? <laughs> um, but, you know, I had posted on there that, you know, we had been really looking for a, a vet hospital, a surgeon, um, someone that could, you know, potentially give us the treatment that we're looking for without having to, once again, you know take out a mortgage for our small cat. Um, we went to this this great place out in Randolph, New York. Uh, but it is a drive. Uh, we drop her off, then go back and pick her up later on, which is six hours round trip um, between both trips. It's an hour and a half each way. Uh, do that four times, and you've got six damn hours. But we went, Corey, on Wednesday to pick her up. This is the second week in a row we've brought her. We bring her there once a week. Correct. They change out to splint, make sure everything's good, put her under, put her in give the her ice an x-ray, whole night. Correct. Put her in the ice bath. The first day we dropped her off, first session, I'm like, oh, you know, what's this going to run us? You mm -hmm. know, they, they, they said this would be, a, a, a you know, we would spend $1,000 over six weeks rather than, you know, $5,000 one shot. They're like, listen, like, they were almost nervous to tell me. I was like, oh, my God, how much does it cost? Oh, no. they're, like, they're like, yeah, you know, like, this is going to absolutely be the highest you pay. We promise. Like, this is the most. It's going to be $125 today. And I was like. They got that out the door pricing, man. That's good stuff. I'm like. Where's Ashton Kutcher? Is this is this a prank show? <laughs> Am I being pranked right now? One hundred and twenty-five dollars, and this is this is you being nervous to tell me, Corey. The on Wednesday when we picked her up, it was fifty dollars. It's cool to be conditioned to think that anytime you need something for medical care for something that matters to you, that you need to be prepared for absolute financial devastation. Yes, absolute devastation. 
That's I, cool. And I was. Um, and, you know, a, a lot of people, basically, their feedback about this place was, Nate, they're great. They take great care of the animals, and they do not charge you astronomical fees to do it. They offered to keep her overnight. For free, God bless them. Um, like this place is just you, you uh, unbelievable. Um, so yeah, that's where I have been. Uh, and as you can imagine, um, with a broken leg and a, a and a splint, uh, she's basically got a giant rear club leg. Um, she is very needy and is uh, you know cornered off in the one in, in our bedroom. She's and on IR. She's on IR, and my girlfriend uh, basically has not left our bedroom in uh, in ten days because she just hangs out with the cat all day. Because if we don't, then she just yells. <laughs> She's not in pain. Hey. She just wants you to know that she's unhappy. I'm so lonely. I'm lonely. Right. Like after one minute of being alone, God forbid. Um, anyway, so there's there's my my backstory. Let me tell you a little bit about what I've got on tap today um, for you on Sports Talk Saturday. Paul Hamilton's going to join me in just about any moment here. Um, Paul is covering with our Brian Koziel as well. Um, the Sabres prospect tournament game one was yesterday. The Sabres shut out the Devils three to nothing. Uh, Paul and Brian were on the call. They'll be on the call again today, this afternoon at 3 p.m. 2 p.m. will be a roundtable with he Brayton and Brian Koziel. So uh, make sure you're if, uh, if if you're hanging out today, looking to listen to some hockey. They they looked pretty darn good yesterday. Ukapeka Lukinen uh, started in goal after uh, after finishing last season um, on the injury shelf, going down with an injury and missed the uh, the final. Uh, stretch run of the season and getting his first action this year and and, and posted the shutout against the Devils. So we'll talk to Paul, um, like I said, in, in just about any moment um, on that. UB football this afternoon, 12 p.m. kickoff. They host Coastal Carolina, who is number 16 in the country. Um, you can check that out in our sister station. Uh, it is uh, The Bet, 1520, down the road. Um, and uh, not down the road, literally down the hall. I can see it if I look through, the, through Corey's window here. Um, so you can check that out. Uh, accordingly, Zach Sheldon of um, Trainwreck Sports is going to join me at 11.30. Help me preview, talk a little bit about UB, what this game is going to look like this afternoon. 1 o'clock, I'm sorry, well, I just skipped an entire hour. Let's start at noon here where Joe Marino of the Draft Network and Locked on Bills. He joins me at 12, 12.30. Matt Perino of New York Upstate will join me. We'll kind of talk offense, defense with those two. And a friend of the program, Marcel Louis-Jacques of ESPN, who recently moved down to Miami to cover the Dolphins for ESPN. He'll join us and help me preview Dolphins and Bills. But we're going to go to the West Her Hotline now because joining me this morning is my good friend Paul Hamilton. Paul, good morning to you, sir. Um, you had some fun yesterday, it sounded like. Oh, I love doing that. That's my favorite thing to do is play-by-play. It's kind of my passion, you know, and uh, uh, actually has had almost had a few opportunities to do it in the NHL. I actually have done it with the Sabres, I mean, full-time. Uh, probably finalist for four different jobs, but just it's a, it's a high thing and didn't quite get it, so... Uh, uh, but still enjoy doing it. Well, their loss is our gain because you're still around here hanging with us, so we appreciate <laughs> that. But, uh, no, I, I, I texted you yesterday. I always enjoy listening to you and Brian. You guys do a fantastic job on those broadcasts. Um, and, you know, frankly, Paul, it's just good to kind of feel like regular hockey is back, meaning, like, people are allowed to be in the, you know, in the arena watching games, the atmosphere. You know, this... Obviously, this team over the past several years has been very disappointing on-ice product. Uh, but the one thing I think that maybe we can all start looking upward on is they're pretty. there's a consensus amongst NHL people. This is the number one prospect pool in the league. Paul, did you get the sense that they looked like the number one prospect pool in the league yesterday in that game? 
Well, I've always thought, I mean, you hear a lot, the cupboard is bare. Really? You know, I. where are you all getting that? A lot of the cupboard is already in Buffalo. Cousins, you know, you, you would consider that. Darlene, uh, he's already up there. Some of the youngsters we saw in there last year, and Asplund and Thompson, you know, so some of that cupboard is already there. But, you know, look at Jack Quinn. Look at J.J. Mm. Paterka. J.J. Paterka is very, very well thought of. Um, a lot of, lot of NHL men, when he got to the second round, were shocked. The Sabres had a first-round grade on him. And it got to be San Jose's pick in the second round. I think Buffalo might have been four away. And they just said, he's not going to make it to us. So they made a trade with San Jose to move up. Uh, it was either two spots or four spots. I can't remember off the top of my head. But you get the idea. So they were able to take him. And you can just see why. I mean, he and Quinn are just, and, and Murray are just a step above everybody else, whether we're talking about the Devils or whether we're talking about the Sabres. I mean, they're they're just, you know, Quinn went number one. Paterka went number two in that draft. And, you know, I think the Sabres got good ones there. I mean, the Sabres have three very good prospect goaltenders. Yeah. You know, they that, uh, you, you know, so, you know, you got Eric Patillo at Michigan. It's going to be their starting goaltender on what could be the national championship team this year. You know, and, and, and then they traded for Levi with Florida. And the reason Levi was a seventh-round pick he didn't play in a league really that he could really show anything. And then he shows up on Team Canada right. for for the World Junior Tournament, plays all the games, and has a .75 goals against average. I think he might have given up four goals the whole, the whole tournament. I mean, and that's when everybody goes, oh, wait, whoa, wait a minute. I, I think maybe we had him uh, rated a little bit low here. And that's why the Sabres, you know, when they were talking with Florida, they wanted to get another goaltender in the system and, and got that. So, I mean, I think they have three very good young goaltenders in their system. I mean, Owen Power speaks for itself as far as on the defense. But look at Matias Samuelson that mm-hmm. we're watching. Uh, Aksari Lexanen last year was on the Division All-Star team in his first year in the American Hockey League. He and Samuelson played together last night. They were great. Laxanen is very, very good at leading a power play. He played the Rasmus Dahlin spot on the, up on the middle of the point there, and it actually wound up in a goal. Nice low shot. You got Murray in front of the net screening. Murray pounces on the rebound because Laxanen puts a nice low shot that is going to produce a rebound, either go in or produce a rebound, and, and they wind up scoring. And he had done that the whole time where he was feeding Quinn on one side, Rostelainen on the other in the circles, and I was really impressed with him, not only the way he handled the puck and was able to get the puck out of the zone, but for the most part defensively. There were a couple of problems now and then, but that happens in a hockey game. Hockey's a game of mistakes, but for the most part, there's a kid, I think, that is going to be a player for, for the Sabres. You know, you talk about Bryson as a guy, that a good young player that uh, mm-hmm. we got to right. see a little bit last year. So I, I just think the people... Who, who? Well, it's it's easy to it's easy to just pile on the Sabers. It's easy to say on Twitter, "Well, the cupboard is bare," because everybody else says it. Your yeah. buddy over at the bar <laughs> says it, so it must be true. If Johnny over at the bar says the cupboard's bare, well, I'm, I I got to put it out on Twitter that the, the cupboard's bare without actually doing a little bit of homework and finding out that you know what, maybe the cupboard isn't bare now. None of these guys might pan out. You don't sure. know, right? <laughs> but but I mean, these are these these kids that they just drafted are eighteen year olds. They got the you know two number one picks in this last draft. Well, how's that going to work out? We don't know. I you know power is probably going to be you know very good, but 
you know, you don't know how the rest of it. They, they drafted three Russians in a row, which they're very high on. But, again, is that going to work for them? But their draft, a lot of people are saying, who's this guy? Why are you drafting Russians? Who's this guy? Well, people who know the draft start grading the draft, as you know, not only in the NFL, but they do it in the NHL, too. I think the lowest grade I saw for the Sabres draft was B+. Yeah. Most of them were AA-. minus because they were really impressed with those Russians and liked who the Sabres took there along with uh, you know their two number one picks. Dare I uh, reference Twitter here, Paul, um, but I, wa- I wanted to stick with Samuelson because I think he's an interesting name in the conversation this upcoming season in the NHL. I know they go out, they go get Will Butcher, they bring in Mark Pizik, so they've got some good veteran leaders, I believe, that are likely looking to not necessarily re-salvage their career, but maybe re-establish themselves as everyday, you know, top four, um, top five defensemen in the league. But Samuelson's an interesting name for me because, Paul, he's the one guy I looked at, he's got the size, he's got the shot. The question was, does he have the foot speed? Can he skate at the NHL level? And I think in limited time last year, you saw a guy that needed to work on it. Did you get the sense after one game, I know it's one game and it's amongst mostly AHL and and prospect level players, but is that a player in your mind that you can see here in the next year or two playing big minutes? Maybe not big minutes, but a third line, maybe a third pair role with the Sabres as long as that foot speed, that skating continues to improve. Yeah, he has improved from the time he was drafted, the first time we saw him at one of these prospects things, to now. It's like night and day. I mean, he's working on it. And, you know, his dad is Shell Samuelson, who spent, I believe, eight seasons in the National Hockey League with Pittsburgh and Philadelphia and, you know, was a veteran of, of the league. So, you know, he, he's got a dad who can tell him, hey, you need to be able to do this. You need to be able to have – you need to be able to improve your foot speed. They talk all the time. They talk after games. You know, good things and bad things. So he has a, a good resource there. He had a good resource last year in Dan Girardi, who's going to be around. Um, you know, Granado said he couldn't be a full-time coach this year, but he is kind of part of the coaching staff. He's going to be around, you know, from time to time, as much as he can be around. And that's that's good news for Samuelson. For sure. That's good news for Darlene. Uh, You know, those guys who I, I think really took a step – with with Girardi, why? And you say, well, why? Why would Darlene take a step with Girardi? They're two totally different type of players. Well, they can relate to each other. Mm-hmm. Darlene played against them, you know. <laughs> so he just finished his career right. in 2019. So that gives him some credibility right there, where Darlene knows that Girardi has been in the league in the last couple of years. He knows certain situations. He knows the league has changed. So now your ears are wide open when you're dealing with a guy like that instead of a guy that retired 25, 30 years ago when the league was totally different. And I'm not saying that the guys like that can't coach either, but I think that's why Girardi had some good credibility related well to Darlene. He related well to Yoki Haru, and you saw the improvement in not only their games but many of the defensemen's games. Paul Hamilton here on uh, on the West Her Hotline. Uh, we're talking about yesterday's three nothing win, uh, Sabers prospect challenge over the New Jersey Devils. Paul, um, uh, some eyebrows being raised uh, when they saw the roster come out for the first time, particularly the Lions, and seeing Jack Wynn um, leading off that first line at center when he was drafted as a winger. I think most of those eyebrows being raised kind of come into question when you see five of the next six picks after Quinn are all centers, and the Sabers choose to go Quinn 
at the wing position and have already potentially moved him in to that pivot spot. What are you? What do you make of the move? A and B. What did you see from him in that game yesterday that that might lead you to believe that might be something they they maybe look to do more on a long term basis? Well, Adams kind of had it has had it in his mind the whole time, even when he drafted him and. I don't pay at this point in time, three years when we have this conversation is when I'll pay attention Mm. to it, of the centers that were drafted around him, after him, not him, whatever. You know, because we don't know what he's going to do. We don't know what Rossi's going to do. We don't know what any of these youngsters are going to do until, you know, we get two, three years down the road, and then we can make an evaluation like, eh. You know, why, why did you go that way? Maybe it would have been a better idea to do this way, or, you know, that was a good move. The reason they like Quinn at center is his intelligence and the way he pushes the play. Usually, scoring wingers don't push the play, and he did from the wing, and that's what intrigued them about him being a center. They like the fact that he likes to cut to the middle. As a winger, he used to cut to the middle anyway quite a bit because he wants to push the play from the middle of the ice. So not only does he push to play offensively, but he does defensively too. You could see that in spades yesterday too, how he gets back, how he closes the gap between the defense and the forwards to make a nice tight gap so they can make a play, turn and go, and they're on their way up ice. He's very good at that with the back pressure coming back also. So those are the traits they like at center. I'll tell you what, they weren't keeping draws yesterday. If he didn't win 80% of his draws, I'll be shocked. I mean, he, he, every time I, I paid attention, he won the draw clean. I mean, it was just like he, he cleanly won the draw. It wasn't even close uh, wherever basically he wanted to go to. So there, you know, now that's against kids. That's not against right. Bergeron of the Boston Bruins, you know. But uh, still, I mean, that, that was part of the game, that, which impressed me too. But that's why they, they, they've had him on their mind at center the whole time. When he was on Team Canada with the silver medal team with Cousins and those guys, he was basically his coach from Oshawa was the coach of that team too, and they basically put him in a defensive penalty killing role. Even though he's a big score in junior, and I think he had a goal and five assists, but he was always killing penalties. He was always out in those key defensive roles that uh, to play, and that's what makes a good centerman. That's why. If they, Craig Rave was talking about this with me the other day. If they didn't recognize that he can play both ends of the rink, they never would have tried this. Mm. Uh, so they were very pleased. The other thing that Seth Apper talked about that we don't get to see, he goes, you sit him down in a film session, just you and him. He goes, it's amazing the things he sees and comes up with. And he says, when you're coaching him, you got to tell him once. He goes, and that's it. You don't got to tell him again mm. because he gets it right away. He goes, he's an extremely intelligent hockey player. He studies the game. He understands the game. And that's another trait of a center. So what better time? Now, let's say this yeah, doesn't right, work. You're right. What better time? Exactly. This is a prospects tournament. So if you have the idea that we'd like to make him at center, what is all the criticism about? Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm, I had to answer angry so to be many angry. times. Right? I just yeah. angry to be angry pretty much. Well, the Sabres screwed this up. They could have drafted this guy. They screwed this up. Well, first of all, you don't know they screwed it up because I don't know they screwed it up. You don't know they screwed it up. None of us know. Because they haven't even made the league yet. So we don't even know if they screwed it up or not. Second of all, if you have this idea, isn't now the time in a prospects tournament to give it a look? You got to see it for three days in practice. You get to see it in two games. I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm being stupid here. But I, I think if you have this idea, now is the time to look at it, isn't it? 
Yeah, I mean, it, it makes sense to me, Paul. And, and I think mo- more so, I think there's a level of draft bias right now in this city because it's turned into a football town. Paul and not not, oh, not yeah. to say not to say that it's never not always been a football town but this for a long time when that team you know and the Bills really couldn't do anything for what the better part of two and a half decades this became a hockey town and I think what people see in the NFL is guys get drafted and the next day the very same year their rookie season they're making tremendous impacts to help win football games and that just isn't the case in the NHL Paul and there's a lot of development these guys are getting drafted at a far different point in their life they're not 23 24 year old kids these are 18 19 year old kids with that these NFL players have three or four or five years of development, not just mentally, but physically as well. So I think your point, I think, is is a good one here, which is let's give these guys an opportunity to grow, and why not give guys an opportunity who might fit in a position better than maybe you thought when you drafted them, and give them an opportunity to work into it. And to your point, like just there's not a better time to do it. You don't wait till the preseason. You don't wait until the first month of the of the regular season or in the AHL to do that. Give them opportunities. Give them reps, and I think you'll see that development. Yeah. Now he get to, did get to play two games at center in Rochester before he had to end his season because he was fighting through a. Uh... I also don't. I also think Paul that that didn't help his case or how people think of Quinn either. Is he missed a lot of time last year to that injury? It just he definitely wasn't a hundred percent. He had it all year, yeah, and 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 still put up okay numbers. But you're right, he he had it back in the World Junior, and he was trying to fight through it. And Appert said, had he not had he been healthy, he was going to finish the year at center. They were going to because there are no playoffs in Rochester. So again. You're not really playing for anything other than pride and showing the organization what you can do. So uh, they were going to finish the season with it. And the thing is, now they get a chance to look at it. If they like it, now take it to training camp and take a look at it in training camp. See if you like it against some better players now. Now we're not going against younger players. Now we're going to go against the big boys. Let's see if you like it there. If, if you kind of like it and he winds up in Rochester, good. Let him start the year there, see how it goes. It's, it's a step process. Like, if you keep it liking it, you can go to the next step. If you don't, put him back on wing yep. and you're done with it. Yep. You know, so it, it's just a step-by-step process they can go with this kid. I, I kind of like that they're doing it. And now that I've heard the reasons and been able to, you know, talk to him about it, He's excited about it, and just now I've been able to see it in practice, which, again, he and Paterka, every practice are the best player on the ice. They should be. They better be. That's what we're looking for. And, again, that line was the best line on the ice during this game. They scored two of the three goals, and, uh, you know, one was on the power play, but they were all out there. So, you know, the, he even moving to center against other players, and there were some pretty good players out there for the Devils. Their number one pick in 2020, Dawson Mercer, was out there against Quinn quite often. I believe they were teammates on Team Canada, so they know each other. And Quinn easily won the battle, mm. easily. I mean, Mercer played, it's a whole first-round line. Nolan Foote was a first-round pick at Tampa Bay, and Alex Holtz was the two thousand also a, a 2020 first-round pick. So that's who Quinn went up against. A whole line of first-rounders who are his age, but still they're good hockey players. I thought he dominated, to be quite honest with you. 
Paul, I know you'll get, I'm sure, a bunch of this during your roundtable session, which starts at 2 p.m. right after Sports Talk Saturday, 3 p.m. puck drop right here on WGR. Ukapekalukinen gets the shutout yesterday, Paul. How impressed were you with his um, with his game yesterday? I saw a couple of highlights, that two-on-one save, where he was just way ahead of the play. He was almost ahead of the pass before it was made. Uh, he looks to be sort of in line here, Paul, for some serious NHL duty this upcoming season. What are you most looking forward to, and what did you see yesterday that, that maybe gives gives you um, some confidence that this is a guy that's going to come into the NHL level. We saw him briefly last year, but what's giving you the, maybe it's he's healthy for the first time, um, yeah. or, or a long stint of health for the first time uh, in, in his career in, in the last maybe three or four years. Well, he put in a lot of good work in the summer, rehabbing his ankle, because as you remember, he played four games with the Sabres and then hurt his ankle, which ended the season. Now, they were near the end of the year anyway. I mean, I think there's only a week or two left. But still, you know, so he had to rehab that, but He's right on top of his game. I mean, he made some very good saves in that game. One thing I noticed is he's very strong with his pads down on the ice when he does the splits, and and he makes the save with the pad, and guys are banging at the pad trying to push the pad in the net. That, that, that pad doesn't budge. He really, really has very good strength with that. He's grown. I was When I interviewed him a week or two ago, he was on skates, but still I'm looking at him. I go, you've grown, haven't you? Now he's listed at six four. There is no way he is six four. Six five, six six, he's gotta be somewhere in there. Wow. And I saw three saves last night where he goes down to his knees and made shoulder saves. That's how big he is. You know, the devils are trying to go high on him. He gets the shoulder up to the top corner and makes the save with his shoulder. You know, and, and the puck pop, you know, pops up over the net. So his angles were very good. There were a couple times the Devils came right down the slot. He got up on top of the crease, and with as big as he is, they had nothing to shoot at. Then they started shooting over the net. That was because of him, right. because of the size of him and him coming out at them. They're like, we have no place to shoot. We're, we got to get fine on this shot. And they started popping the puck over the, goal, over the crossbar. But that was, they were doing that because of what he was doing to them. So I, I really, really liked the play, and... Adams talked about, I was surprised last year, I'm not going to lie, I know his numbers weren't great in the four games, but he averaged 41 shots a game against him. Um, that's a lot. That's, that's and a I, thought he made, I thought he made some really good saves along the way. So I, that's a case where I kind of ignored the stats because I was there and watched the games, and I was impressed by some of the things I saw. There were other things. There were times he was out of control. He talked about that uh, this week. That's one thing he learned in the NHL, how fast it is, and he's got to get his body under control. And uh, and Marty and I had a conversation about that, and Marty goes, yeah, I like that he was thinking about that, that, you know, get the body under control, be controlled in your movements and not be willy-nilly flying around the crease and that type of thing. Everything was controlled. So they said, and I knew the minute they signed Aaron Dell, that's when I said to myself, they are going to give Lukanen every opportunity to be the number one goalie on this team. If he can do it, great. If he can't, then Dell's the backup to Anderson. That's the way it'll go, and we'll see how Lukanen goes in Rochester. And Adams pretty much admitted that when we got to talk to him, you know, after the signings and everything, that you know they're they're impressed with Lukanen and they want to give. They said he's not going to be given anything. Right, he's but he's going to be given, given an opportunity. opportunity. Yep. And if he can earn that job, but they're not going to rush him. If, if he doesn't earn it, they'll send him back to Rochester and give him a half a season down there, maybe take a look at him at a half year and see where he's at. So it's not going to be a rush deal. But if they feel he's ready, I saw nothing last night against prospects to tell me different 
that, uh, you know, I, I think he's the job's going to be his. All right, Mr. Hamilton, thank you so much. We will be hearing from you in a few hours on Sabres Roundtable starting at 2 p.m. and Puck Drop at 3. We appreciate your time as always, and good luck this afternoon. We'll be listening. Sounds good. Great talking to you. Thanks, Paul Hamilton there on the Wester Hotline. I'm going to take a timeout. Zach Sheldon, maniac, as he is uh, referred to by the people, a man of the people from Trainwreck Sports, going to join us next. Help us preview UB and Coastal Carolina. That's coming up next here on WGR. The coolest Fleetwood Mac song for the coolest dude I know, Zach Maniac Sheldon, joining me on the Western Hotline. He's helping me preview UB hosting Coastal Carolina, which uh, kickoff here underway in just about 20 minutes. Zach, uh, I'm sorry I couldn't bring you on earlier uh, so that you could preview what you guys having uh, have going on in the special uh, in, in, in the parking lot right now. But just for the folks who maybe didn't make it out to the parking lot, what did you guys have going on this morning? I, I, did I did I see? Did I see, like, gin jungle juice or something? Nate, thanks for having me on. Not the first time Paul Hamilton's been a chatty Cathy and not the last. <laughs> we are here in the special event slot. We are roughly 21 minutes till kickoff. And let me tell you something, the troops, the UB Army is locked and loaded here. It's been gin buckets since about 8 a.m. when gin General made the initial yes. push. It's been unbelievable. And let me tell you something, there is no reason right now, and I'm just going to set the standard that UB can't win this game today. So I saw Jonah Bronstein um, tweet out that Coastal Carolina is 3-0 three, uh, three against the Big 12, but 0-4 against the MAC. And as we know, the most successful MAC team of the last four or five seasons has been the UB Bulls. So you're talking about the upset here. What gives you the sense today that after a disappointing performance against Nebraska last week, and, and by the way, Zach, like I, I kind of fully expected UB to play a little better, keep that game a little closer last week. Do you think there's a bad taste in their mouth this week in front of their home crowd to put on a better performance than we saw last week against Nebraska? Yeah, if, I mean, anyone who watched the game, obviously the score didn't reflect it. Coach Maurice Linguist talking this week about how they did have Nebraska relatively on the ropes. They were only down 11 points with the ball going into score against, yeah, a Big Ten opponent yeah. in 130 degrees. We are here at UB Stadium. Nate, a week ago, Kansas went for 400-plus yards on Who? the Coastal Carolina squad. Kansas is basically a lunchables. Of a college offense this year. So we need UB offense. We need Kyle Vantries. We need Kevin Marks to go absolutely nuts. And the chance clears, yeah, it's a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately situation. Yeah, they've had great years. But, Nate, just like, just like Stannis questioning Ramsey Bolton in a dance with Dragons, who has Coastal Carolina beat? What reason do I have to fear Coastal Carolina? I, I don't have a good one off the top of my head. I know their quarterback's name is Grayson, and and you I, and at least in my experience uh, in the town of Orchard Park, you should run away from guys named Grayson because their dads have a lot of money. I mean, I'm not going to say they're a South Towner. That's neither here nor there. Make sure you're subscribing to all Odyssey channels. But Nate, the fact of the matter <laughs> of this is, if Van Trees goes for 200 plus, if Kevin Marks does his thing, and the defense, most importantly puts themselves in a position to be successful, which is something that they did against Nebraska last week. They didn't wrap up, which is something that everybody needs as far as protection or safety. But we need to make sure we do so, and we need to make sure we follow through. And it's very possible that we could be going to bed tonight with UB with their first win over a top 25-ranked opponent in program history. And let me tell you something, for Coach Mo Linguist, who's been here 120-plus days, that would be 
I, I don't mean to bring energy drink sponsors in, but it would be pretty monster. Yeah, and Zach, talk, talk to me a little bit about Coach Mo because this is probably the shortest I've seen a turnaround for a college football season for a new head coach maybe ever. Obviously, Coach Leipold is on a similar timeline in Kansas. He's got that Kansas team at least looking more competitive than they've been in years past. How difficult of a road has this been? Like, put in perspective how difficult it is to basically have five, six, seven months here to put together a college program that's both A, competitive, but B, Zach, he stopped a lot of guys that had entered the transfer portal when Coach Leipold left, and he brought a lot of those guys back. What's that tell you about Coach Mo? I, I know that we made a lot of Lord of the Rings references earlier, or at least I did, but Coach Mo basically went in front of the transfer portal and he said, thou shalt not pass. It's been leadership from the beginning with this guy. And let me tell you something, he's saying all the right things. And Nate, and all your viewers out there listening on WGR 550 right now, tell, show me a college, an NCAAF Division One head coach who every week it's 5% longer than he's been coached so far. So this is a guy who's consistently growing, he's consistently learning, and he's consistently working to build us a winner in our backyard in Amherst, New York, in Buffalo right here with these Buffalo Bulls. So, again, I know I've said it a couple times. I know you've emanated it. We are very, very much excited to see what these Bulls can do against the Coastal Coastal Carolina Chanticleers despite what happened last week. So tell me a little bit about uh, UB quarterback Kyle Van Trees. This is a guy that was likely overlooked last season. Um, You have the young freshman Myers coming from West Seneca West sort of win that job. But as soon as Van Trees took over, it's sort of just been looking in the rearview mirror at everyone else. He's really, in my opinion, Zach, taking a leadership role, but is a guy that you can count on and lean on to carry the team, even though this is still a run-first identity offense. Van Trees gives them the flexibility, Zach, right, to to become more of a balanced offense and maybe start leaning more towards a more spread and, and pass-happy offense. Yeah, it's definitely an evolution for UB. You have to play to your strengths the way that Lance Leipold recruited. Um, you ended up with Kevin Marks and Jared Patterson. And Kevin Marks currently entering this game, I believe it's about like fifth or something in UB rushing stats. So it shows you the remarkable uh, achievement he was able to have living, and I don't mean this in any disrespectful way, in the shadow of Jarrett Patterson, who's now we're watching in NFL primetime. So very interesting to see there. But with that said, again, it's like you said about my guy, again, they call him on Twitter, Van Sheesh. Yeah, I think he's going to be unleashing some darts today. And plain and simple, if he makes about three to five throws, I know, again, I know I'm going back to the same ending of the same story, but if he can make those plays, this UB defense can hold, serve, and I'm not making any tennis references. Sorry, Jesse Pagula. But if they can hold serve against this Coastal Carolina offense, there is no reason that UB football, that Buffalo football, isn't going to be celebrating going into a big matchup against the Miami Dolphins tomorrow. Last thing I have for you, Zach. Um, This UB team is sort of on what you'd call a heater. I I mentioned at the beginning of this uh, segment that this has been one of the most successful long-running MAC programs over the last four and five seasons. Is this a bowl-eligible football team that we're going to watch this afternoon at UB Stadium? And, and what gives you the confidence that this team is going to compete for another MAC title? I would say the threshold that you're looking at today, if this is a close game into the fourth quarter, and again, the UB is 13.5-point underdogs. I'm not going to sell you wrong, guys. All your listeners here on WGR 550 Odyssey, I'm going to let you guys know. Yeah, it's, it's, the money line is a long shot. So when I'm talking about upset, yeah, it's a little bit 
of a fantasy. But at the same time, I've seen these guys in practice. I've seen these guys in games. I've seen these guys develop over years. So, yeah, there's no reason they can't do it. And honestly, very excited. And I know that you got about 100 more important people to cut to, but we are very excited. We are very fired up here at UB Stadium in Amherst. All right, my friend. Thank you for uh, for hopping on with me and helping me preview UB Coastal Carolina. Uh, we look forward to uh, your post game recap with the guys over there at Trainwreck and Bullet Points. So we appreciate you, brother, and enjoy the uh, enjoy the kickoff today. Can you do me a favor? Can you fire out like eight food tweets today? That is not a problem. You know that. I, in fact, I I have some pictures from last night's sushi, so maybe I'll I'll recycle some from yesterday, yeah, and then I, and then I was really worried. I, I was very worried. I, and maybe I'll even throw a boomerang in there for you. Oh, now I'm pissed. Now I'm pissed. And now I'm fired up for this game. <laughs> thank you, Nate. Thank you, WGR550 Odyssey. Go follow Bullet Point 716. Love you, boys, over there. Keep up the good work. Tweeting about last night's sushi, always a good look. That's usually <laughs> what people like to hear. <laughs> Thanks, Zach. Anytime Appreciate you're it. you're talking about late, late night sushi, it's not a good situation. <laughs> last night sushi. Last night sushi. All right, Zach. Appreciate you, buddy. Zach Sheldon there of Trainwreck Sports, Bullet Point 716 on the West Her Hotline. Um, some some breaking news in the NHL from the from Kevin Weeks. Uh, Zdeno Chara to sign uh, a one-year deal with the New York Islanders. Uh, he was obviously with Washington last season and obviously played almost all of his career in Boston as a Hall of Famer and is going to sign a one-year deal to uh, to stick around at least another season longer. So that's Kevin Weeks. Um, you can follow him on Twitter at Kevin Weeks, two E's, K-E-S. Donovan McNabb, you mentioned it in the break. He's at the game today. Apparently his daughter is being recruited by UB. I'm not sure which sport she plays. Basketball. Ooh. She'd be playing women's basketball. And I'll tell you what, if you want to go to a, a quality Division One program, it's mid-major, and you know, hard hard to find a better coach than Felicia Legat uh, Jack. I mean, she is as good as it gets in across the country in mid-majors right now. UB's been running a really great athletics department probably for the past five, ten years. They've been doing a real good know, job. Know some there. guys in that athletic department, the communications department. All of them are class acts. So Great look forward guys. to uh, look forward to this game this afternoon. Of course, again, you can hear it on our sister station, The Bet 1520, uh, UB football, uh, home of UB football over there. Um, so if uh, you know you want to periodically check throughout the program today, we'll keep you updated on scores as they happen as well. So, uh, so stick with us there. The 12 o'clock hour, Joe Marino of the Draft Network and Locked on Bills. Matt Perino, New York Upstate, coming up next here. We'll preview that coming up in our next segment. We'll break away for the 12 o'clock hour soon after that here on WGR. Okay, final segment of Hour 1. Welcome back to Sports Talk Saturday. Nate Geary here. We've got a lot of Bills talk over the next two hours. I've got uh, a couple of buddies, Joe Marino of Locked on Bills and the Draft Network. He joins me next uh, at noon. We're going to talk a little bit about the Bills' offensive line woes. What went wrong? Uh, what are solutions? And uh, just a little bit about how this Miami Dolphins defense intends to try to slow down Josh Allen and this Bills offense, which you know we see, or well, at least we have seen, um, when defenses tend to have their most success against the Bills, they're able to drop back in a ton of zone coverage, which we know the Miami Dolphins don't do. So what will they do? They keep they continue to run out man blitz and just get absolutely slaughtered by Josh Allen and this Bills offense. Are they going to fundamentally change who they are? So I'll ask Joe about what he thinks 
on that. At 12.30, Matt Prino, New York Upstate. We'll talk about the Bills' defense. Uh, the, I think a very good bounce-back performance in Week 1 last week against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Can they follow that up against an RPO-heavy Miami Dolphins offense that only put up 17 points in their victory last week against the New England Patriots? A lot of question marks still remain around Dolphins quarterback Tua Tungaviola, who did not really look good, uh, particularly for, for long stretches of that game last week against the Patriots in that win. They basically caught a big break. Damon, Damon, Harrison, or Damon Harris, the Patriots uh, running back, ends up fumbling as they're essentially about to walk it into the end zone and take a lead in that football game, and he fumbles the football, which never you want to do in a Bill Belichick coach team because you're going to draw the IR Belichick. And in that game earlier, uh, Stevenson, their fifth or sixth round pick running back out of Oklahoma, he also fumbled in that game. So two pretty big turnovers against that Miami Dolphins defense who continues to turn the ball over. That is the one thing that they have consistently done since Brian Flores has taken over. I think they're at 22 straight games with a turnover, which is like the longest streak in the league by like 15 or something crazy. So they turn the ball over. They play a lot of man coverage. And so we'll, we'll talk to Perino a little bit about how that looks um, this week against Tua and, and what Tua is going to be able to do against this Bills defense, who, I, again, I, I think looked much improved from, from, from the team that we saw at least in the first half of the season last year. I thought the defense took some strides later in the year. I thought into the playoffs, obviously, that matchup and that playoff win against Baltimore, a lot of that goes right on the defensive shoulders. Obviously, the, the, the play that Taron Johnson makes at the end of that game sticks out to everybody, but remembering that Lamar Jackson in that office just had no answers for this Bills defense almost throughout that entire game. Now, of course, a couple of missed field goals by one of the greatest kickers ever. You know, you, you could put that as a little fluky, but... That, that Bills defense really finished the season strong. They started this one even stronger, so we'll see and talk to Matt Prino about whether or not they'll be able to maintain that moving forward this season. So before I take a timeout, uh, just a quick update. I, I did mention, uh, quote-unquote, a little bit of breaking news from the NHL. Uh, former uh, Boston Bruin and Washington Capitol of last year, of course, Zidane Ocharo, he's signing a one-year deal with the New York Islanders. So uh, that's as uh, we get training camp is set to open here in the next couple of days. We've got the Sabres Prospect Tournament, 2 p.m. here on WGR, immediately following Sports Talk Saturday. You can hear from uh, Paul Brayton Wilson and uh, and Brian Cozio, they'll have a Sabres pregame roundtable starting at 2 p.m. here, and then puck drop between Sabres and Bruins start at 3 p.m. here on WGR. So uh, if, if, if you've got nothing to do today, you've got a lot of Sports Talk Saturday action, and then you've got uh, Sabres hockey this afternoon as well, right in the middle of the afternoon. As mentioned, UB Bulls, they kick off here in about five minutes live from UB Stadium. They're facing off against the number 16 team in the nation, Coastal Carolina, as Zach Maniac Sheldon, who was on from uh, Buffalo, uh, not Buffalo Rumblings, uh, Trainwreck Sports last segment had mentioned this would be the first time UB has uh, has beat a ranked opponent in for, in uh, in school history. So we'll we'll keep an eye on scores there, and Corey and myself will keep you updated as uh, as those scores happen. Going to take a timeout. Other side, as I mentioned, Joe Marino of Locked On Bills joins me. We'll talk Bills offense, the offensive line, and how they need to have a big bounce back week tomorrow against the Miami Dolphins. So don't go anywhere here on WGR. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. 
and great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.